on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas. When I sat down to write, I was actually worried I may lose my job over this because I'm writing for a website that essentially promotes Las Vegas, and now I'm saying don't come. Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff. And this is Jeff Does Vegas. Welcome to episode number 160 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I want to thank my guests from the last episode, Megan and Anthony Smith from the Las Vegas true crime blog, Mayhem in the Desert. Megan and Anthony were kind enough to jump on the show to share the history of bombings in Las Vegas. Some you may have heard of, others not so much. We had a blast, no pun intended, talking about the bombing at the Orbit Inn, the murder of a union leader, and a car bomb that nearly killed a mob boss. If you haven't had a chance to listen as of yet, jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out Boomtown, a history of Las Vegas bombings. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm going to be totally upfront and honest with you here. This episode of the podcast is very likely to piss off a lot of people, but everything that's being said here needs to be said. During the last trip report episode, which I titled not the May trip report, I brought up a lot of things that I didn't enjoy about the city and in turn my vacation. I got a lot of feedback about that episode. A few people agreed with me but a lot of people just thought I was being whiny. Now, at first, I thought I was going crazy. Maybe it was just me. But shortly thereafter, I started noticing a lot of the same comments popping up on various Vegas-related social media channels, as well as similar complaints coming from other Las Vegas content creators, including bloggers, vloggers, and podcasters. Then it happened. Sam Novak, creator of the Vegas Unfiltered blog, who's been a guest on this podcast before, wrote an article for Vegas411.com titled, quote, This is the worst time in history to visit Vegas. Sam joined me for a conversation about the article, as well as the current state of affairs in Vegas. And as expected, he was brutally honest about what's going on. We talked about how construction is messing up the city, angering both locals and tourists, the skyrocketing costs when visiting Vegas, including all the random new fees and service charges that people are seeing tacked on their bills, as well as tipping culture getting completely out of hand. The overall state of the strip, including aggressive showgirls, street merchants, and filthy hotels. And I asked the big question, when is it going to get better? Will Vegas turn back the clock and be that city that we all used to know and love? I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sam Novak as we discuss what the hell happened to Vegas. (laughs) 
when I sat down to write, I was actually worried I may lose my job over this because I'm writing for a website that essentially promotes Las Vegas, and now I'm saying, don't come. And that's put my neck out there. <laughs> so, I mean, what was it that really inspired you to, to take this step and, and write this article in the first place? Uh, well, like everybody else who's been going through this, you, you get the mounting frustrations, and then you start to realize that even your everyday activities as a resident here are being impacted by what's going on around you. Every time I have to go to a function, and I, even though I live far outside of the Strip, I have to go to it very often. Um, and I have to think about, how am I going to get there today? What's going on? What are the latest road closures just for today? I mean, I, you actually have to do research to get anywhere from point A to point B, which is insane. It's not like another city where you have a construction project going on. The entire, entire city is under construction, and I don't think anyone's ever seen anything like this. So when it impacts your daily life, and then I hear from people, entertainers, business owners, that are losing business and they can't function. The reason that they're here in, in the city is to perform or to provide a service, and they can't do that because one outside agency has taken over the city, and nobody's actually saying anything about it, you realize it needs to be said. It's not okay. It's not uh, something that's going to benefit us in the long run, in my opinion. And um, it's, it's reached the breaking point where the silence has to be opened up and people have to say, this is enough. This is killing the city. Wow. And uh, I'm the one with the big mouth that opened up the can of worms and... Uh, and it's it's rolling down the street. <laughs> I, I mean, what kind of reaction have you had to this article from I mean, from from readers, from colleagues in the city, from businesses? Has it are people agreeing with you or are people mostly mostly yeah. there are there are a few that think that this is a city that's always growing and there's always going to be some new shiny object for this right now. I mean, we just came out of the hysteria of the sphere. Now we're dealing with the hysteria of the Formula One. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be something new to draw our attention. I mean, before that, we were going through Resorts World and Fountain Blue getting topped off. And uh, when the Allegiant Stadium was erected and we brought the, uh, the Raiders here and the talk of the Open Day is coming and building another stadium on the strip, there's always something new growing, coming in, something to talk about. But none of them has really crippled us. This particular thing has. And when I learned that the organizers are actually going to build up barricades in front of the hotels and businesses, use public roads and then build walls to keep people away from what they're going to be charging for is it's it's hostage. It's it's ridiculous, and and I've never seen anything like this. Now I, I that's why I really decided to sit down and say, "Don't come here right now. You're not going to get a good experience." And I mean, Formula One is just a, a a piece of this whole article that you you put together. I mean, you covered everything from the airport to the parking to the costs to the state of things, and and these are things that I noticed 
on my last trip when I was there back at the end of May. And I actually, I came back and I, I, of course, I generally put together a trip report episode and I talk about all the things that I've done on, on my vacation to Vegas. And I actually titled that episode, not the May trip report because of a, all the things that I couldn't do while I was there because of what was happening and, and mm-hmm. B just, the overall general experience of Las Vegas, it, it feels like it has changed. It has. It, it, it's always changing. And uh, we know that uh, it's often said uh, similar to the weather in San Francisco. You know, if, if you don't like what you see right now, just wait a few minutes and it's going to change. Uh, right now, that's not for the better. We're seeing plenty of change, but it's alarming change. Um, if I didn't live here and came as a tourist, I would pr- probably be very put off like you were mm-hmm. because there's so many things limiting the experience, the experience that you may have had in the past. And the things that you can get to are pretty much things that you could do anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So you ask yourself the question, is it worth it to go through the chaos of the flight situation that we have with air traffic right now and the chaos that we have at our airport to get into a city with limited options. And most of them are things that you could have done at home. One of the big things that I've noticed in my last few trips has been just the, the cost increasing and skyrocketing. I mean, meals that my wife and I went out for in March that cost us breakfast that cost us $60 that two years ago would have cost us $35. Just if that, if that exactly, it just, everything has, has just absolutely skyrocketed. Do you think that, that this is just strictly 100% greed on the parts of, of the resort owners and the company, the corporations? Well, it's definitely not just inflation based. Um, we're all, We've all seen the rise in our in our everyday costs of our food, our clothing, our utilities, and travel expenses going anywhere. So that's part of it. Um, but yes, greed is a huge factor here, and there's a mentality that was brewing before the pandemic that people were becoming aware of that things were being slapped on for absolutely no reason at all. Charges at your at the bottom of your bill that made no sense, and when you would confront the person sending you that receipt to explain it, sometimes they even couldn't. Um, we're just told the charges. What is it for? I don't know. And those things kept growing and growing and growing, and people like me were getting vocal about it. We were writing reports. We were um, publishing lists of businesses that were doing these kinds of things, hotels that were doing these kinds of things, warning, if you still want to go there, great, it's your choice to go wherever you want, but know that you're going to be facing this, this, and this. Then after the shutdown, a lot of those things were removed. They wanted people to come back to Las Vegas. And of course, as somebody who lives here, and enjoys what we have to offer. I wanted us to continue to prosper. But as soon as the tourists started coming back again, then all of these these problematic charges and uh, removals of services started cropping back up again. One thing that had uh, was new, that was new was um, COVID surcharges that were showing up on some restaurant bills, which boggled my mind. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I got into a discussion with a uh, public uh, relations person who represented a lot of higher-end restaurants here in town. And when I posted about it on my uh, on my Facebook page with particulars of this place is charging at this place, is, I recommend you don't pay that fee or don't patronize them. He got very angry with me saying, you don't know what these restaurants are going through right now to recover. I said, and I don't want to know what's going on behind the scenes. What I want to know is that I'll walk in the door, get good service, receive the food that I requested, get a bill that shows me the total of my food and drinks, the tax align for my optional amount of tip, that's it. I don't want to be reminded by the business owner that he's going through some sort of a difficulty. That's that's not my place to know. If if you need to increase your cost to function and survive and be profitable, put them into the cost of the food, like always. Don't put a separate line on the bill to say, hey, we're in trouble, help us out. I did help you out by walking in the door. Now give me what I came for. I kind of said that right from the beginning when I saw restaurants were adding that, like you say, this COVID fee or whatever recovery fee or whatever they were calling it onto their bills Mm -hmm. and charging a percentage. And I always kind of just looked at it and went, I feel like I'm getting screwed way more and nickel and dimed way more if I see all these added lines on as opposed to if a, a restaurant owner just says, you know what? we're increasing the cost of everything. We're doing a blanket increase of 5%. I would rather see that than see stuff added to my bill. And I think most people would agree with you on that. Um, transparency is, is an important part of your, your experience when you're a consumer. You want to know what you're getting, what it costs, and, and, and you want to choose to patronize or not. Uh, nobody wants a story. They just want what they came for. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really a bad precedent. And most of that has gone away. In fact, I can't recall the last time that I've seen that particular charge on a bill. But other things like concession fees and live entertainment fees and things like that are starting to crop up again as well. Um, a, a generic service charge that they will point out is not for the tip to your server or the bus or the kitchen help. Just a service fee with no explanation. That's another one that's becoming more prominent right now. You always have your detractors who will defend these things, saying, oh, it's like that in other cities. They're just cropping. But you know what? Las Vegas isn't other cities. It's always stood apart from every other city in the United States. Just because other places are doing something, to me, would be more of a reason to not do it here. And that's that's not the mentality that's, that's, that's occurring across the board. It's like you said, it's great. Oh, they're doing it, so we're going to do it now as well. I, when I go into one of the major hotels for an event or or to see a show or to go to a restaurant, and I go into these enormous parking garages, knowing that everybody driving in there is going to be paying 15 20 30 sometimes $50 a day per car that was never, ever charged before, and the hotels and casinos function magnificently, where is this going right now? Straight to the bottom line. The, 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 um, when these were rolled out by MGM and the Caesars Resorts, they said it was to, and, and I love this quote, to improve the parking experience. Um, I'm sorry. I, I mean, when I come to Vegas, I plan on having plenty of experiences, but I don't refer to parking as an experience. <laughs> and yet, if you go to uh, other cities or uh, other places, 
their parking garages are usually very well maintained. They're, they're power washed, they're clean, they're picked up. Most of these major hotels, including the Cromwell, which is a five-star resort, Mandalay Bay, the Mirage, and I can keep going. You drive into these parking garages, you see uh, horrific things on the walls, on, on the ground. It doesn't look like these, these walls have been painted for forever. Um, human waste, horrible odors, garbage over, overflowing in the cans. And so you ask yourself, where's the money to pay for parking here going? It's not for maintenance. It's directly into their coffers. And the argument that it's done in other cities to me is a bullshit argument because because it's done in other cities. So a, a service fee or whatever, a random service charge at a restaurant, it doesn't matter if it's in Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Seattle, New York, Denver, Toledo. It sucks. It doesn't matter where it is. It sucks. <laughs> now, I'll give a little leeway to say if you're going, if you're traveling internationally, and that's a customary charge on a bill in a particular country. You are a guest in their in in their environment, and that's the way they do things there. That's fine. Uh, a lot of countries are not customary tippers. They don't have a, a place to tip, and if you do tip them, sometimes they even seem surprised. Mm -hmm. Which is why quite often people from say Europe that come here might need to be reminded that we do tip here. That's our custom, and that's fine. I don't, I, I don't have any qualms about that. But beating you over the head with additional tips and lines for particular services all on one receipt. You know, I got to tell you, I went to a, a, a supper club a few weeks ago. Um, their food is mediocre at best. Um, the prices for what you get are already very, very high. And then they automatically charge you an 18% gratuity. Okay. That's what they do. But it's on one page of the receipt, not on the total page where there's a line with a suggested gratuity in parentheses to add to that total where the 18% has already been added in there. And if I didn't look at the two separate pieces of paper, I would have tipped on a tip mm -hmm. and the tax. And I just wrote included across the line retold on that page, slid it back to them, and yet I felt guilty for doing that like a cheap steak. <laughs> uh, like, why am I feeling guilty that I didn't double tip? Mm. I don't feel going like going back there anymore. I could, but I, I feel like I was fooled and taken advantage of it. I don't, I don't feel the need to go back there any longer. And those are the kind of things that we have here in this city when patrons, visitors, tourists realize these things are happening all the time. You don't want to have to be on guard when you're on vacation. You're, you're coming here to be frivolous and silly and, 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 and cut loose. And I think that's why a lot of the businesses here do those sorts of things, because they probably realize that, oh, they're not going to look. They're just going to total it up, slide their credit card over with it, and go on to the next venue or the next activity, and we got them. That's wrong. My wife and I ran into that on uh, a trip back. I think it was last December. We ran into that. At, uh, it was at Yardbird in the Venetian, actually. 
And they handed us our, our receipt at the end of uh, the meal. And as I was filling it in, um, I noticed they had put the 18% gratuity on there. And then there was a line for the gratuity. And as you say, if I hadn't been looking closely, I would have double tipped. So, I mean, it was a good meal and good service and whatever. So I added the 2% additional on it to make it 20. And, but like you say, I felt like, I felt like an ass because all of a sudden I'm handing this bill back to somebody with what looks like I've written in a 2% tip. tip. Exactly. And afterwards, my wife and I were walking away and we both just thought like, I'm angry about this because as you say, you don't want to feel like you have to be checking every item line on your, on your receipt when you're out for a meal. Yeah. It's, it's always been something I may be saying this wrong, but if you're going into a bar and, and you're walking up to the bar just to get a general cocktail in your local pubs or what have you, um, you pay the fee and then you throw another $2 down. That's, that's, that's very in your casual pub. Or would you agree with that? Yeah. You go into a place like um, one of the cocktail bars at the Venetian, and if you pay by credit card, the drink is $25 perhaps. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a, if you pay by credit card, there's a little gadget, and there's options for 18, 20, 22% on top of it. If you want to hit other and just put $2 on there like you would if you were paying cash, once again, you feel like a cheapskate. So that that whole idea has changed too. You're not you're no longer throwing a couple of bucks to the bartender. You're paying as if you just uh, tip for on a whole elaborate meal. Tipping is a real contentious topic with everybody, obviously. And I mean, I get it. Vegas is a a city. It's a service based city. It runs on tips. I am a good tipper. I consider myself a good tipper. If I go out for a nice meal, it's minimum twenty percent. Sometimes even 25 if it's a, a fancy place and it's high end and they've really gone out of their way to serve me well. But it feels like everybody wants a tip now when you go to Las Vegas. And I mean, it's even like, I mean, you go to a Starbucks on the Strip. And I mean, I don't order a fancy coffee. I It's a Pike Place coffee. They pour it out of the coffee maker where it's already made. <laughs> I get my little cinnamon coffee cake that they take out of a plastic bag and put in a paper bag. And they're now wanting a tip for this, or you go to somewhere like a subway and they're wanting, you go to pay with your card and an 18% tip is popping up on at at a subway. Mm -hmm. Would you agree that it's getting out of hand? uh, Not getting it's gotten. Uh, I can think of another story along those lines. There is a, uh, a chain of uh, smoothie places around here, 24-hour. They're called uh, Tropical Smoothie Cafes. Uh, I drive through them a lot just, just to get, you know, something green and, you know, healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's one that's right across from the Virgin Hotels on Paradise Road in, in uh, Harmon. You drive through there and you order your, your drink or whatever you're having at the, at the message board or the electronic board. Come around the corner and they hand you the credit card machine. Um, to put your card into, and then there's a place for you to toggle through for how much of a tip that you want to put on it for drive-through. And I normally just hit the okay, which is like, I think there's like a default 20% tip on there. You just hit the okay and okay again for total. And then I thought to myself, why am I tipping on drive-through? I mean, they're just standing at a window and 
doing this and passing it to you? What did I, what did I just tip on? Mm-hmm. You didn't come to my table. I didn't sit down. So one time I scrolled through the options and hit no tip. And I pulled out my card, handed it back to her, and the girl looked at it and went, ah, and threw the machine down. I mean, literally banged it down on her counter. Um, Already I'm feeling stupid. Uh, I've watched my order being prepared. She comes over. She hands me the drink, and I had gotten a breakfast roll-up, like a wrap, chicken wrap. She had it in a bag. She hands me the drink puts the the wrap on her counter and closes the door to the window and comes back. I think, and maybe she made a mistake. There had to be a correction to the order and she's going to give me a fresher one. No, she was angry, came back about four or five minutes later. I'm just sitting here waiting, reaches over, hands me that bag through the window and slams it again. She deliberately let it get cold because I didn't tip her. I was, I was blown away. So that's when I realized this is all out of control. And that's the thing that gets me about all of it and, and tipping. And again, I'm sure that this conversation that you and I are having about tipping is probably going to piss somebody off because there's somebody out there that's going to equate from this that you and I are terrible tippers. But I've always maintained tips are – they're earned. It's for somebody that has gone – above and beyond to do something for me or has helped me out in some way, shape or form. And again, like I get it. I, I Vegas is a tipping town. It's a service town. Everybody works in the service industry, but at the same time, why should I be tipping you $5 on my Starbucks order when literally all you've done is pour me a cup of coffee? You haven't even put milk Mm -hmm. and sugar in it. I've put the milk and sugar in it. You've poured me a cup of coffee. You've taken a, 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 piece of pastry out of a plastic bag and put it in a paper bag. You didn't bake that piece of, of, of pastry. I should be tipping the guy that d- drove the truck there. Right. You tip the proper proper usage of, of tip would be gratuity. Mm-hmm. Gratuity, gratitude, graciousness. It's a thank you gesture because you gave exemplary service. It has to be earned. It's not if you don't give it to me, you're going to get bad service. It's gone the opposite way now. Mm-hmm. It's an expert expectation instead of a gesture. And I noticed one of the things you had posted in the article was a, a, a great photo somebody had put on social media of their receipt where it was a, a double tip, like there was a gratuity and then a gratuity for the for the busing staff, which, mm-hmm. again, completely blew me away. I, I looked at that and I just thought the stones of a, of a restaurant to put that on just the all out Balls the size of bowling balls to put that on a receipt to have a separate tip line. I mean, when is not to give anybody any ideas, but when is the separate tip line for the kitchen staff coming or the cook or or the hostess? <laughs> that that will come. It will come if people don't object. If people don't hold up that receipt and say, "This is ridiculous. I'm giving one tip and I'm not coming back." There shouldn't even be something in their in their setup to allow for that. Mm-hmm. Just like there shouldn't have been a place to generate a bogus service charge. And and if you question some of these businesses that have that service charge, they will say that it is to allow the business to continue to operate by going towards expensive. Isn't that what the money is going to every time you sell a meal? That's your structure to figure out. We're not your accountants. <laughs> we do that on, off to the side don't 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 ask us to break it down for you. 
something else you covered in the article that I thought you and you've covered this in the past as well is just the overall state of the strip. And and I know my opinion from my last trip, I thought it was awful. I, I, I thought everything was it was dirty and um I mean garbage was overflowing, there was litter everywhere, it was things just it felt sticky, like if that makes sense. Like my shoes felt sticky everywhere I walked. Yes. Um people on the strip, the 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 characters and the showgirls that were, were out there are they're aggressive and they're rude and there's scammers everywhere and there's street vendors all over the place now that it, it just I mean that area outside of the Bellagio out front of the Bellagio fountain looks like a, a, a third world street market at this point with, with everything that's going on out there. It's, am I crazy or is it getting bad? No, it, 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 it has gotten much, much worse. And I don't think that it helped when Bally's literally erected a free flea market in front of their casino, which is what that the grand bazaar shops looked like to me. It always looked like a low end uh, flea market. They welcomed that because it was an opportunity to generate more income. Um, so the street vendors right across the sidewalk, it's a market. Let's do it as well. And unless somebody chases them away, they're going to continue to do that to the point where you may see someday that the Bellagio is going to erect their own shops in front of the fountain or start charging for the opportunity to view the fountain show. That wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibilities either. I mean, if they're, if they're going to build a barricade, from you to be able to look at the cars going down the strip, it could be easy to envision them building a barricade to uh, stop you from seeing the fountains unless you pay a fee, an entry fee. That's not, it's an expensive attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it costs them a lot of money to maintain it. And if they're going to charge for everything else, like simple basics as, as parking, they could easily charge for that. You think back to a few years ago when they decided to limit the number of times at the Mirage Volcano. Uh, would erupt. They started, it used to be a nightly thing, I believe every 90 minutes perhaps. Then they started limiting it to only certain nights and then fewer frequencies until they've decided they're going to pull it out altogether. It doesn't make money for them. Moving walkways, another thing. Remember when they used to have moving walkways to pull you into the casinos? Mm -hmm. The idea was for them to go in one direction, get you into the building, then you will stay, you will dine, you will be entertained, you will gamble. You will drink. That made sense. But they were too expensive to maintain. So even though they could have been generating intangible amounts, the fact that they have a receipt saying this is how much it costs to maintain it, pull them out. If something that you would consider to be a perk doesn't cost someone, a patron, something is being removed. Uh-huh. All the, the attractions like the MGM line exhibit, the the, um, the white tiger pool that they had inside the Mirage, all of those things being pulled, 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 pulled. I was at the Venetian a couple of weeks ago. I'm sorry, the Palazzo. And the, the very large fountain that they have, it's about four stories tall, and it wasn't operating. It was just, at this point, a statue. And I questioned the security guard that was positioned next to it. Why isn't it working? He said he ha- it hasn't worked for a while. I guess it costs too much to maintain. Unbelievable. You know, I go to places like uh, Puerto Vallarta, which Mexico is not exactly as advanced as we are, yet their airport is spotless, absolutely spotless. You go to other um, nations, their airports are beautiful. 
We're one of the busiest airports in the United States. It's a wreck. It's 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 old. It's dated. It's always under construction. There's always something going on. But does it ever look any better to you? No. No. <laughs> something else that's that I noticed or I felt like I noticed more on the strip was um, crime. I mean, in all the years that I've been coming to Las Vegas, I've never been on the strip and and felt unsafe. I've always. Um, you always kind of feel like you're in a crowd. It, it's okay. There's lots of police. There's lots of security. It feels fine. But over the last few trips, I've noticed it just feels sketchier with the scammers mm-hmm. and with the just the the people that are out there again and stories that are coming up in the news, whether it's stories about robberies or shootings or hotel robberies, things like that. It feels like it's less safe. It is. Um I, I haven't reported this, um, but I, I was assaulted um, in the casino. I was just sitting there playing at a slot machine, and somebody came up behind me and hit me very hard in the head and took off. I've never had that happen before. I'm sure they could have, they could have spotted them, had security cameras, but the time, by the time they would have gotten the video footage, the person is long gone. Um, there's an entertainer here in town. Uh, I'm not going to mention names, but he had a cousin who was visiting here who was walking in front of the Cromwell, and um, some man came and punched him in the face for no reason. He fell down, broke his jaw, um, split his skull open. He was in a pool of blood. Um, A nurse, luckily, happened to be walking by and did triage on him until an ambulance came. And the family member who reported this to me said that as soon as they got him up off the sidewalk into the gurney, there were people from the casino that were cleaning their bloodstains off the sidewalk. That they didn't want people to see. The actual crime, there was nobody there to protect anybody. The guy even got away. But the the image of the blood on the sidewalk was the one thing that they were focused on. And as I say, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories recently about um, people having issues in hotels with safety and with security in their rooms. And uh, Mm -hmm. there was a a story a while ago about the Paris and, and where to the point where they set up a, a a bait room to try to, to, to catch the, the people and the, the, the perpetrators of this. And I mean, in the past, there was always the odd story that you would hear about somebody's room got broken into. And usually it was a case. They just hadn't shut the door properly or whatever. But now it seems like you're hearing about this more and more, and and it's it's legitimately becoming a problem. Yeah, have you seen the video footage of the woman who was in her hotel room here alone, and she saw a coat hanger or a wire coming from underneath the door and going up to unlatch the lock to get yeah. into her room? Yeah. Have you heard about that one? Crazy. There, there are an enormous amount of incidents like that that we don't hear about. Um, if you know any Las Vegas police officers, they would tell you most things are kept very quiet for the sole purpose of not getting out there for people to know and come here. They keep it quiet so that these crimes are, aren't well known. Um, if you ever um, have you ever been in a casino and you see somebody being wheeled out on a gurney with uh, an oxygen mask on? Have you heard that? Uh, it's kind of an urban legend, but truth based that if you ever see somebody being taken out of a casino on an oxygen mask, most likely already dead, and they pronounce them dead 
off the property so that it's not listed on public records that they died in the casino from an overdose or an assault or a murder. So they, they kind of fudge the truth to keep our statistics lower. Coming up, Sam shares his thoughts on what it'll take to fix Las Vegas. And we talk about the recent decline in services and amenities at the Big Strip Resorts. That's next on Jeff Does Vegas. Let's talk about the state of the hotels. And we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. And this was, again, things that you've you've documented in previous articles and your social media. And, and I've noticed it recently on recent trips as well. Just sort of the 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 lack of cleanliness and and disrepair i mean it it feels like things it doesn't matter what level of hotel you're at whether you're at as you say the cromwell which is a five star and i've noticed it i stayed at the cosmo a couple of years ago and i uh, which is a very high end hotel with a lot of very expensive rooms and i noticed uh, uh things like garbage bags sitting outside of people's rooms for days on end it it's it's just gone poorly lately and it, and I know there's there's a lot of stuff that's kind of behind that direction of things it, it's not because of the lack of funds to keep these businesses maintained and clean it's a lack of pride um, why bother to worry about something that people may overlook when you could be charging them more for other things I mean we're, the casinos the major casinos are focusing on their nightclubs and their celebrity chefs and upgrading your room and talking about all these world-class experiences, but the very basics are not being tended to. You go into a restroom in one of these higher-end hotels, you'll see toilets out of order, empty um, soap and paper towel dispensers, water everywhere. Um, it's easier to throw a out-of-order sign on something than to get it fixed. We'll get to it eventually. When a few more things break, then they'll bring a repair crew in to take care of them all at once. In the meantime, it looks like it does. I, I ran businesses for 20 years. I was very conscientious about the way something looked to the customer. When they walk in the door, you're making a first impression. In a, in a Vegas resort, their first impression is the grand way and the shiny doors. And when it's explained, the fragrance hits you. After that, you know, you, that's when you start seeing all, all the, the dust in the cracks or the dust in the evidence, or the dust behind the doors. Um, the the housekeeping staffs in all of these hotels have been heavily burdened. They're, they, they, they give more rooms and less time to do them, so they're, the, 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 the employees have to work very quick. They're not going to get everything like they used to. It's not unusual that sometimes to go into a room, and I, this has happened to me as well. I do stay here even though I, I live here. I, I do the tourist experience. I've gone to hotels and pulled back the sheets, and they were the old sheets from some from the last guest. And there's body hairs. There is. Uh, I reported on this about a uh, a friend of mine who's a uh, producer on Broadway. Um, he comes to Vegas. He had a couple of shows that were here, and he was staying at the resort at Resorts World. And he found human feces on his pillow when he checked into the room. He he did a live broadcast on his Facebook page. It took maybe two hours for somebody to come up and place the bedding on his in his room at the two billion dollar resorts world. And this was just a few months after they opened, where they should have been at the peak of everything. He was appalled. 
I've, I've been amazed it, with some of the experiences that I've had at the, the lack of service or poor level of service. My wife and I, when we stayed at the Cosmo, our room safe was locked. It, it had been locked and shut by the previous guest. And we phoned, I phoned right away and I said, Hey, like, can I get this open? Well, we'll get somebody up there when we get them there. Well, how long is that going to be? We don't know. Could be two hours, could be three hours. And I said, well, I assume I have to be here when they come in to do that. Yes. So you want me to sit in my room for the next God knows how many hours waiting for God knows who to show up God knows when to open open my safe. We ended up not using the safe for the entire week. It, it, we just put our stuff in an, inside our suitcases and locked in. And I thought if somebody wants to root through my dirty gaunch to get my cash, well, more power to them. But, <laughs> but in the back of your mind, you're feeling insecure about your belongings while you're away. Exactly. I've got my passport, my laptop, my all that stuff is now sitting in a in a publicly accessible or somewhat publicly accessible area as opposed to being in the room safe. So you were gambling without putting a dollar down. <laughs> exactly. The whole trip was a gamble. Exactly. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's shocking. And I know recently too, I mean, they've done the hotels have done so many cutbacks with staff and and with um I mean housekeeping is now no longer required on a daily basis as it was at one point. Mm-hmm. So that's that's been a cutback. Some places you have to ask for it or you won't get it at all. Which is uh, I mean as a person that usually is by myself, and I always joke about how I leave the room cleaner than I found it nine times out of ten when I'm there, I usually will only have them in. If I'm there for three days, I'll have them in maybe once to take the garbage if I've had food in my room and that's it. But at the same time, I know there are people who are there for longer periods of time that want them to come in every day to take away towels or change sheets or take garbage or whatever. And for that to go away is is baffling to me. The other cutbacks that they've made with self-check-in at all the Caesars properties now, which are all through kiosk, and is always a disaster for everybody. If, if they work at all. I We published a, an article about the situation at the Rio, which we, we, we know the Rio's in a bad state. However, they um, – they, on their online check-in, they, they heavily suggest that you do their kiosks when you arrive there, which I, we opened up a whole can of worms about the flaw in that system. Because when you reserve a certain type of room, and you get, you're given a choice, a mountain view, uh, a strip view, uh, whatever, and you select that one, when you go to check-in, if they don't have those available any longer, the system doesn't say to you, you're... you're room choice is not available. We're going to upgrade you or suggest these options. Select one. What you will get is a message saying your room is still being prepared. Uh, enter your email address and we'll let you know. One time, waited till about 10 p.m. and still there was nothing. By the time I stood in the line, which was now very understaffed, long line because everybody else was experiencing, it was almost midnight before I got my room. And I was there at 5 p.m. And when I vented at the, at, on the agent, I had to be up at 4 a.m. So at this point, at max, I'm spending four hours in my room. And, and, and she was like, well, you should have just come here to begin with. That was, that was what I was told. And I said, um, then what is the purpose of the self-serve kiosks if, they're, if you're told I should stand in the line? 
Yeah. And where are all the agents? It's just you and one other person. It took me two hours to get through this line. So yeah, the self-serve kiosk idea is a dud. Well, I, I recall seeing a, a post on social media a while ago, and I think it was from Caesar's Palace, where all of the, the, the self-serve kiosks were working, but nobody was in line for them because, of course, everybody wants to try to play the high roller and do the $20 trick and slip the guy at a 20 <laughs> to get a, an upgrade to a room, which, by the way, I've I've have never had work for me. And it's, I don't think it's really a thing. I, I will tip if I get an upgrade, but I'm not sledding you 20 to try and get something. But there was this massive line of people that were standing in line for two or three hours because nobody wanted to use the kiosk because everybody wanted to try to, to play the upgrade game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You're, you're right about that upgrade situation. They, they all see it. The last time I tried it, which was many years ago, she slid the money off to the side, gave me the room that I had uh, requested originally. And when she handed me the key, there was this defiant look like I dare you to say something. <laughs> that was the last time I did that. The other thing that, that you wrote an article about a while ago that kind of ties into this whole how it's the worst time to visit right, uh, Vegas right now was the the cutback in the amenities and the hours and how – Vegas used to be a 24-hour town, and I mean, in the five years that I've been coming on a regular basis, I can recall being able to go and get anything I wanted to eat. If it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm coming back from the pub and I really want a patty melt, I could find a place to get a patty melt. I'm struggling sure. for that patty melt now. There's, there is hardly anything open. Right. I, I don't get their logic behind that at all. Um I went to a, uh, it was a similar situation. I checked in the hotel, I took a lift, meet my buddies out and have some cocktails, come back hungry. Um, this hotel had 3,000 rooms, if I'm not mistaken, and nothing was open, nothing at all. I, I went over to the reservation desk and vented, and the agent said, uh, well, you could always call DoorDash. I said, and I could do that at home. That blew my mind. She goes, they, they welcome DoorDash to come into their hotel. No. I want to sit down like you did, order a sandwich, perhaps a cup of coffee. If I've got friends with me, we want to sit down. And But the coffee shops are pretty much gone. Mm -hmm. When they are open, it's till 2 in the afternoon. In that article, I, I named specific locations, what their hours used to be and what they are now. For instance the pantry at the Mirage. It replaced, Mirage used to have two 24-hour restaurants, the, the Deli and uh, the Creed Cafe. The, the the cafe was replaced by the pantry and it, the wall over the, your, the entry says, breakfast available all the time or something along those lines. How about three o'clock in the morning? No, because it closes in three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> It feels like the ownership, the the big execs, they just don't give a shit. It, do you think that's the case? They're just, as long as the, the money's on the bottom line, they do not care about the guest experience. I think that the, 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 that goes hand in hand with a lapse in simple basic logic. When, when, I've, when I've confronted uh, business operators about these situations and I asked, why is it like this? The answer is usually... Well, we'll expand our hours as demand uh, requires. 
And I said, how do you know if you're closed? I'm here right now after, after hours telling you that I want to, uh, to, be, to be your patron and the doors are closed. If you're turning away people, then you're turning away business. So the idea of we'll wait for demand is never going to happen if the demand is chopped off at the knee. And, and I mean, I can say from the last trip that I had to Vegas at the end of May, it was busy as shit. Demand is there. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. during during COVID and during the just as things were reopening and there was no international travel or there was limited travel, things like that. The demand is there. I mean, the, the travel levels are up. The spending levels are up. The the room bookings are the the, the vacancy rates are, are down. You'd think that the demand is there. I don't understand how they can say the demand. We're waiting to see if the demand is there. The demand is there. I When I published that particular article, I got a phone call from um, the general manager of a, a well-known restaurant. He, he took me to task on it, saying that my logic was flawed in that respect. He says, you're not taking into account the liability issues that uh, we face when we're open late nights and there's the possibility of having rowdy patrons, uh, the belligerency that they might exhibit towards the staff, the possibility of confrontations, physical assaults, accidents, things like that. You're not taking into account the additional, say, the utilities or the operating expenses that they would face if they never had an opportunity to close, clean up, and prepare for the next business day. I said, you're right, I'm not taking those things into account, just like I didn't take into account the matter about the COVID charge when restaurants were saying, you don't know what we're doing. Once again, I don't want to be lectured on your difficulties. I want a particular service because I'm here ready to spend money, and if you're not there to take it, you're not making a profit either. Figure out the way to make it happen. It worked before. It worked in the 70s. It worked in the 80s. It worked in the 90s. It worked in the 2000s. How is that suddenly not possible today? When I get those kinds of replies back to me about stuff, my response is usually, that sounds like an ish you, not an ish me. (laughs) (laughs) Very well said, yes. Um, construction chaos in Vegas. And this, I mean, we hit on this a little bit earlier with, with formula one. I mean, obviously I I put out a video a while ago called formula one is turning into a shit show and got some pretty decent response on that video just because, um, the, the, the fee thing from formula one, I'm an F1 fan. I love auto racing. I enjoy it. My wife and I watch it. We've been watching it for uh, a long time. And even them pulling the thing out of their rear end saying, we're going to start charging bars and restaurants a fee. That caught me by surprise. I'm going to be completely honest. Knowing what I know about F1 and, and Liberty Media and that whole group, it really shouldn't have caught me by surprise. When I saw they put the, the track route out and the track map out, I instantly went, oh, this is going to suck for for everybody. And so many people said, no, it'll be fine for yeah, short-term pain, long-term gain. It is turning into big time, long-term pain. I mean, this has been months of closures mm-hmm. along Las Vegas Boulevard, and it is an absolute, it, it, it is a shit show. There's no question about it. And and as locals, we're being frowned upon to speak out about this, to discourage it, to do kind of a negative point of view, because as I said earlier, it's the next big shiny new thing. Um, but that's not the case. Um, 
regarding this new article, when people do approach me about it, and, and it's it's become something when I go out and about that people want to talk about it, they almost in secret, hey, I read that article, you know, good job. Why are you hush hush about it? Why are you shouting about it? Mm-hmm. People are ashamed, say, or frightened to to say that this is not working, that this is a nightmare. And it is. Uh, it, when you think about the fact that it's taken all these months to prepare, supposedly they're going to have this, the entire strip shut down for 10 days leading up to it. Then there's the event. And how long is it going to take to disassemble all these barricades and, and the grandstands and any other things that they've put up to get us back to what would be normal, only to start it up again for the next race? Mm-hmm. This is going to be 10 years of agony for us. Yeah. And only certain individuals are going to reap the profits from it. In the meantime, the rest of us are sacrificing our personal time. We're stuck sitting in our cars in uh, triple digit temperature, wasting gas at four something a gallon to go absolutely nowhere and for somebody else's benefit. We have no power over this. It's not okay. Well, and I mean, I know like they keep touting this, this number, for Formula One of they're saying one and a half billion dollars in in revenue that it's going to bring to the city. And I just one of my recent episodes, I had a sports economist on to talk about the economic impact of sports. And and a lot of this came off the tail end of the discussion about the um, the three hundred and fifty million dollars going to the Oakland A's for their stadium. And he is a huge opponent of public money going into private sporting venues. He hates it. And I hate it too. I think it's terrible. There's so many other places that money could be spent. And he brought up a really good point with this whole, whenever they, they tout these, these huge figures for these, the impact of a a sporting event said, usually you can take that decimal point and move it one spot to the left. So when they're saying it's going to be for super bowl, for example, $500 million of economic impact, it's probably closer to 50. It's it's not 500 million because they put in so they try and bring in so much to try to sell the benefits of this. And I think Formula One, as I say, I was really excited about it when it was first announced. And then I started to think about it. and I thought, no, it's going to be a construction nightmare. Room rates are going to be through the roof. Ticket prices are going to be stupid. It's not going to be any fun. The locals are going to hate it. Everybody that I talk to that's a local, uh, Kenny Davidson, good friend of mine, does the his his bow tie cabaret at the Tuscany. Which is right in the heart of the zone. Exactly. He looked at it and went, I have no idea how I'm going to get to work. No idea how I'm going to get there to 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 do a to do a show or anything. It's it's a, a an absolute shit show. And it as you say, it sounds like the locals are just they're done with it. Well, all the people that work in the casinos that are surrounded by the racetrack have yet to figure out how they're going to get to the buildings. Mm-hmm. You can't cross the racetrack to get to Planet Hollywood or the Paris or anyone that's in that center. There are thousands of employees in every single one of those businesses. They have no idea how they're going to show up to work those days. They don't know. Are they going to build temporary bridges over that people are going to have to walk over where they're parking on the opposite side somewhere? Nobody knows. And this is in, this is going to be in, we're in August, September, October, November, three months from now. These things should have been figured out years ago, yeah. months ago at the very minimum. 
they don't know how they're going to get to work. So how are the casinos going to operate if they have no employees in the building to service all of these people that are coming for the very event that's prohibiting employees from getting there? Well, I can, I can tell you from a tourist side, I, I experienced it at the end of May and um, I was heading out to go do some shopping and I grab a lift and I was staying at Horseshoe and going up to the North Outlet Mall and the drive out was super smooth. They, they were just in the process of putting up some barricades along Las Vegas Boulevard, blocking off southbound traffic to do some some work, all this stuff. Coming back was a different story altogether. And my Lyft driver decided to take what he thought was a shortcut coming off of the 15 and going on the backside of Caesar's Palace. And he was going to okay. come out through Caesar's Palace and go out onto the strip. And I thought, okay, well, maybe he knows something I don't. I mean, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just the tourist. Yes, I'm here a lot. but I And I have a pretty good idea of getting around, but I'm not going to say anything. He's the Lyft driver. We sat sure. in Caesar's Palace out front of that by the parking lot, kind of by the main entrance for at least mm -hmm. 15, almost 20 minutes. And I finally just said, you know what, just stop my ride and let me off here and I'll walk over there. And he said, Oh, are you sure? I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're probably about a 20 minute walk okay. from here, 15 minutes. And I looked and went, dude, we've been sitting here for 20 minutes and haven't moved. So I mm -hmm. would rather walk and go. And I'm sure that I, I probably got to the hotel before he even got out of the parking lot and onto the boulevard. And, and it was a common complaint that I was hearing from everybody was how hard it was to get around. And that is still happening now. People are bitching about that. Right. And, and, and if if you had that one experience, that means that that particular driver has that experience all the time. Combine that by the number of Lyft drivers. Imagine how many of them have just thrown up their hands and said, we're done with this. I'm not wasting 90 minutes of my time for one fare. Mm -hmm. Why? Same thing with taxi drivers. And I mentioned this in the article, the taxi drivers, some of them, I know one personally who had been working as a taxi driver for 20 years. That was his living. It was the only thing he did. Once this construction began, he was getting heat from the taxi companies that he wasn't driving enough people. How can you drive the same number of people when each individual ride suddenly takes six or nine times the length to get there? Yeah. So he was getting fewer tips, way fewer fares, heat from the taxi company, and he just threw up his arms and said, I'd rather not do anything. So you're losing the Lyft drivers. You're losing the Uber drivers. You're losing the taxi drivers. The buses can't go through. I just added a quote this afternoon into that article because I've been constantly updating it, where this guy was a tourist. He commented on my article on, on my social media. I put that into the article. He said, I was there last week. The bus driver wasn't even charging anybody to get on the bus. And he was telling people as they were getting on, you may as well just walk. You'll get there quicker. <laughs> the only thing that would have saved us would have been if the monorail actually went to the airport. Yeah. And most cities have a rail system that take you from the airport into the heart of whatever city you're visiting. It's a no-brainer, therefore it does not exist here. So, I mean, the question then is, what's the breaking point? I mean, you've got people like me who have been six, seven, eight time a year visitors up until pre-COVID, obviously, and then not being able to come from Canada, but even following COVID, still making an effort, a conscious effort to be frequent visitors to the, the city. I've seen other 
tourist type bloggers and vloggers who have said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. I don't want to come anymore. I'm, I'm tired of it. What is the breaking point that is finally going to fix things? And, and I mean, how, what, any idea, prediction on a timeline on how long this is going to be before things are finally, they flip the switch and say, you know what? Yeah, we fucked up. We need to fix this. I don't know if that's ever going to actually happen. Um, and I'll tell you why the, the tourist base that, that they're looking to grab right now is one, the sports fan and the party goers, the young people, the young crowd that wants to go into the nightclubs and go to the beach clubs during the day and spend, 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 spend. They, they waste a lot of money. I can be judgmental here and say out of sheer stupidity. They don't, they're not planning for tomorrow. We're coming to Vegas, you know, Vegas woo. Let's go crazy. There will always be young people that haven't had something to judge the Vegas experience by. They're going to come here and what is our current situation is going to be their normal standard. They don't know any differently. And once they get tired of it, there's always going to be somebody coming up. The Vegas is hyped as a wild experience and you can cut loose here. So the old folks are dying off. The young folks don't know any better. And as they pass, it just goes. So I think that it's going to continue to be that way. But I think you're right. So many are just saying, screw it. I'm not coming anymore. And I probably would do the same if I didn't absolutely love my job and love living here and have so many entertainment options. I'm a big entertainment person. I don't like seeing how the, the, the emphasis on sporting events is driving the entertainment industry down. That's always been my focus. And I'm, I almost feel like I'm trying to be a crusader to protect that. But I'm, I'm, I'm treading water. And so are we in that respect. The city of entertainment, it's kind of ironic. And I wrote articles about that where some of the headliners here in the city, they have to take breaks from their resident shows and go on tours so that they can make the actual profit. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they're able to do that in other cities is they can market themselves as being direct from Vegas. That's a catch line. They will continue to perform here on a limited basis just so they could sell tickets in other cities. Yeah. So there's an irony there. You know, direct from Vegas with a catch is what I call the article. And, and it, it, I think it all boils down to a lack of logic. None of this makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Vegas never really did make any sense. It doesn't. I mean, there's, there's so many contradictions. We shouldn't even be here. People don't belong in, 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 a, in a city without, or, or in a place without water, you know, and, and natural, a natural environment that's lethal. We shouldn't be here. None of it makes sense. But even even with that taken into account, the things that go on around us are absolutely nuts. You're, you're either going to continue to roll along with it or you're going to say, I've had enough. But there's always going to be somebody else rolling into town. I think that's a that's a really fair point to make about, as you say, it's almost kind of the old adage of what is it they say? There's, there's a sucker born every minute. And Vegas used to build itself or used to, to tout itself on those repeat visitors. They loved the people that would come back and they treated you so well if you came back over and over and over again, whether that was comp rooms, comp meals, comp show tickets, whatever. And now it, it kind of feels like they don't really care if you're a repeat visitor. They just want a warm body and an open wallet. And that's that's it. And that's all they care about at this point. 
And that's why your aging resorts like Caesars Palace or the Flamingo, they're falling into disrepair. New visitors want to go and the newest attractions like the Sphere, which I felt this way the moment that it came online. And first of all, I was surprised when it actually did come online. But the focus was on, oh, my God, Las Vegas has this new thing called the Sphere. We used to hear that kind of a response whenever a city would put a new Ferris wheel in. Suddenly, every major city had a Ferris wheel. It's the same with the sphere. Every city is going to have one. The novelty will be gone like this. Mm-hmm. We're already not talking about it anymore. And my remark was, how soon before they start selling advertising on it and it just becomes a billboard? Yeah. It's already been announced. It started on September 4th, I believe. <laughs> so it's going to be a big, giant billboard. And the world went crazy about an electric snow globe is being repurposed as a board. <sighs> Sam, I appreciate your time, my friend. It's it's a it feels like it's a depressing conversation, <laughs> but it but it feels like a conversation that that needs to happen. And it just it's that that feeling of as I say, it's been a a, a what the hell has happened to Vegas situation and. Your article came out and I looked and went, I got to get Sam on the show to have a talk about this because I feel like you're, you're the guy that, that, that knows and that understands. And, uh, I feel like you and I are on the, the exact same wavelength on this, my friend. Thank you. I I really appreciate that. And and, and I, I wouldn't say that it's depressing. I would say that it's frustrating because we know that this can be a better place, that we can have better services. We just have to say, we're not okay with the way this is. Keep speaking out, putting our money where, where, where it matters, and objecting verbally in, in, in face-to-face if we have to. Um, there are good things that are happening here. There are bad things that are happening here. But if, but if you stay silent about them, the bad things are just going to continue. So let's, let's rally around and fight that fight. And that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. Or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production.